Every week, the Orange Fizz team breaks down the five most pressing questions about Syracuse athletics. Holy cow, what a big-time defensive play! No holds barred. I pity the fool. It's the Fizz Five. Five! of storylines across the landscape of Syracuse athletics. I'm Francesco Simone. The man to my left is the great Liam Griffin, and we're here on Fizz 5 this great. week. Great. That's quite the compliment from you. I, listen, I think it's an understatement as it is, Liam. Everybody loves it. Everybody should love you because you're the best. <laughs> it's it's myself and Liam on Fizz 5 this week. Our debut together on Fizz 5. On Fizz 5, yes. We've done a, we've done a lot together. together. We, you and I have done a lot together. Some stuff that's, you know, a lot of fun. Right? A lot of fun. A lot it's of fun. always quality content when you and I are behind the mics, and we hope to continue that today. Again, Liam, lot to talk about. Men's basketball, football, men's lacrosse is back. Let's have fun. Let's have some fun. We'll start with starting with topic number one, the Florida State Seminoles. Number one. Syracuse makes the about, what would you say, Liam, three-hour flight down to Tallahassee? Give or take. They, Something like can, that, right? Can, can you? I don't think you can fly direct if you're flying commercial. Well, they fly private. But I know they fly private. Jim Beheim's not. Jim Beheim's not sitting in coach. All right. All right. Then, then it's about three hours. <laughs> it's about three hours down to Tallahassee to take on what Liam has been a really good program in FSU. Really over the last, I mean, what five, six years since Leonard yeah. Hamilton really got into the swing of things down in Tallahassee. But this season, I mean, Woof. Lord, oh Lord, this is a bad Seminoles team. Yeah, the the saying that I feel like relates to Florida State this season, oh, how the mighty have fallen. You're yeah. talking about a program that's been a perennial NCAA tournament team over the past few years. I mean, look at their non-conference schedule. Lost to Stetson, Oy. Troy, oh. and Siena. That's not good. And that's just scratching the surface. That's a good Francisco. Hounds team. That's a good Hounds team. Uh, yeah. I think they're called the Hounds. Sounds a, yeah, that sounds right. That sounds right. Yeah, but whatever. They somehow, somewhat have actually not been playing too terribly in conference play. They... Had Virginia on the ropes in Charlottesville. They had Clemson on the ropes. That may be the best team in the ACC. They won in Pittsburgh as well. So when I look at this Florida State team, it's which one are you going to get? Are you going to get the Seminoles team that is good enough to go toe-to-toe with the top dogs of the Atlantic Coast Conference? Or are you going to get the team that slugged through non-conference play? Sienna, by the way, the Saints. I thought the Hounds because their logo is a St. Bernard. So that's on me. That's all good. That's all right. No, but back to your point, Liam. I mean, this Florida State team is one that, listen, it's on the road. It's hard to win games in college basketball on the road. Especially to do it in back-to-back seasons, too. And to do it. You're right. They did beat Florida State on the road last year. Yeah, you're right. What a game that was. That was in December when they won like 60 to 59 or something like that. Um, But listen, this is not a good team. It's, It's a team that you should beat. Yes. I would argue Boston College is better than Florida State, and you handled them with a little bit of scare in the second half. But yeah, I think everybody thought that, all right, they're going to win this game when it all comes down to At least I did. Yeah. Um, on Florida State, listen, the one guy that scares you, Matthew Cleveland, he's a young guard. He's playing 34 minutes a game, 14 points a game, getting almost eight rebounds a game, too, leading As the team guard, to both that's categories. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, he's a, he is a really, really good player. 45% from the field, 38% from three. You got to guard him. Darren Green, another one of their guards. He shoots about 40% from three. Caleb Mills, who, Liam, you remember, was a really good player, both on Houston and on Florida State. He's kind of fallen off the face of the earth. He's shooting 40% from the field, 33% from three. 13 points a game. He's kind of whatever. It's... There's a lot of guys who can do maybe a little bit on this team, and then Cleveland can do a lot. But besides him, I mean, does anybody scare you? Not Not, to me. Not really, and that's the... 
really stark thing, Francesco, is that last year's Florida State team at its peak was a team that could go 12 men deep, kind of like the Spurs mm-hmm. back in the day used to do. They like, had like three seven-footers exa- last year. Too, exactly. Yeah. They had threats up and down the bench. This year, not the same squad. <laughs> Outside of Matthew Cleveland and maybe Caleb Mills on a good day, no one really intimidates you. And it's atypical of an FSU program that really is one word of the by best you. in college basketball. That's a big word out of you, atypical. No but, no, but you're right. It's a, Leonard Hamilton has done a great job with this program. He's done a fantastic job. He's actually made Florida State basketball a thing. <laughs> Now that they're, you know, eight games under 500, it's a shock, right? Because Florida State, we're used to them, you know, being a really good team. And last year, we kind of saw a little bit of the dip, right? Because Syracuse right. played Florida State in the 8-9 game when Buddy Beheim punched the guy. And they got ripped They yep. did. They Buddy did. slugged Wyatt Wilkes. Yeah, that's right. Wyatt Wilkes, thank you. And number 31, the guy with the long hair. That's all I remember him as. Um, but uh, looking at the numbers here this year, Florida State's 11th in the ACC in points per game at 70.1. They're 14th, Lee, and there's 15 teams in the ACC Giving up seventy five points per game. I, is that good? It's really bad, actually. If you if you look at scoring margin, fourteenth again. That's second to worst. The minus five point two scoring margin. And if you're a power uh, 15th, five team, fifteenth by the way, Louisville. Worst yeah. power five team. Well, in Jim Bayham will tell you that's a good Louisville team. Oh my but god! If you're if you're a power Maybe five, I, you know, I called that by the way. Go back and check the tape. I told you Louisville would beat Georgia Tech. Um, if you're a power six team in college basketball and you've got a negative scoring margin with some of the cupcakes you played early in the season, again, you lost to Stetson, right? The only thing I know about Stetson is Jacob DeGrom went there. The only thing I know about Stetson is the Georgia quarterback. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's not talk about Stetson, Ben. He's got his own problems going on these days. But oh, yeah. He's, listen, <laughs> speaking of problems, not good. I mean, no. I, don't know, I don't know how many ways you want me to put this, right? Three-point shooting, they're 10th. Opponent three-point shooting, 14th. Maybe a little bit of a opportunity for the Chris Bells, the Justin Taylors of the world to get going. I mean, listen, you, you want to go to rebounding, Liam? You want to go to rebounding? Tell me if you want to go to rebounding. Let's go to rebounding. Let's go to rebounding. 14th in the ACC in team rebounds per game. All right, let's look at rebounding margin. 15th in the ACC in rebounding margin, this negative game, four. Uh, I think you're laying it out on the line, Francesco. This is a game SU should have no problem winning. If you, should being the keyword. If you listen, right? Syracuse has beaten the bottom dwellers in the ACC. They beat Notre Dame twice. They beat Georgia Tech. They, they beat barely Boston, beat Louisville. They beat, beat Boston, Boston College, College twice. twice. Those are SU seven wins, by the way. Those are SU seven wins in conference. You're right. They're beating the teams they're supposed to beat. This one definitely goes under the category of beating a team you're supposed to beat. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And to me, Liam, honestly, like, and I know people have talked about, oh, you know, if you beat Virginia and you beat those, you know, that North Carolina game that you arguably should have had. The Virginia game you should have had, the the Carolina game you could have had. Mm -hmm. If you win those two games, you feel a lot better about the season, right? For sure. But even not having won those two games, the fact that a young team is beating the bad teams, the team that they're, that they're supposed to beat and not dropping those games, to me, you have to look at that as somewhat of a positive if you take the 10,000 from view. Somewhat being the keyword. But still, though, I mean, like, these are a bunch of kids we're talking about. I know. And they're beating the, the bad teams, which is what you're supposed to do. It's, exactly. I think, I think, listen, I think Syracuse is right where it's supposed to be in the ACC. They're not as good as the top echelon. Right. But they're better than the bottom feeders. That, I agree. They're an average ACC team. Okay. So if you're an average ACC team, you win today. Exactly. All right. Well, I think we're on the same page. Though. We're absolutely. This is a game SU should win. All right. That means we can move on to topic number two, which is Jim Beheim. Number two. Jim Beheim likes to make news. Nah, that's fair. He has an interesting relationship with the media. The media. I, th- 
I think interesting might be an understatement. The media has an interesting relationship with him. By the way, I just like to throw out there. Not every student at Syracuse hates Jim Beheim and hates asking him questions. I'm one of them, right? Never been rude to me. In the, in the, I've asked him probably 10 different questions. Always giving me never, a good answer. Never been rude to me either. I, I can't, there's nothing bad I can say about Jim Beheim in terms of you know, personal interactions with him. And there's a way to ask Jim Beheim a question. Be knowledgeable, be polite, and be direct. Don't dance around it. Make eye contact when, he, when he's answering it, and he will give you a good answer. Trust me. It's not rocket science as much as some people make it look like rocket science. Mm. But off my little tangent there, right? Jim Beheim gives an interview, and, you know, Pete Thamel tweets it out, and it kind of makes a firestorm. It says a lot of different things, right? Talking about schools like Wake and Pitt. Miami. Buy, Miami buying players when Adam Weitzman just gave Elijah Moore $15 billion to come to Syracuse. What are we doing? Then he has to backpedal. Sometimes, listen, again— I want to make it very clear. I am not in the I hate Bayheim camp. I want him to leave. I, I appreciate what he's done for this program. And I, I feel like I'm in the minority sometimes. I think I actually might be lame. I, but, I see where you're coming from. But in just like, why do you so, feel the need to do this? Yeah, like, what good did Jim Bayheim see in making those comments? Now, a few weeks from now, you're going to get a very angry Pittsburgh team and a very angry. A good way, Pittsburgh team, by the way. Good Pittsburgh team, by the way. And a very angry Wake Forest team yeah. who isn't as strong as it was not last as year. No. Still a good Demon Deacon squad. Not bad. So, no, not bad. And I think that, I don't know if you saw that clip of Jim Laranega flashing out money during the Duke game the other <laughs> yeah. night. I'm just like, that's... What what you, why? Uh, like, what's, what purpose does it have? Are you talking about Laranega no, or Bayheim? No, 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 Bayheim. Well, exa- exactly, and that's a perfect troll job because Laranega and Bayheim are... Honestly, polar opposites, even though they look like the exact same they person. Look, they look identical. Personality-wise, they're different. And but what what good did Beheim see coming out of this, especially when Adam Weitzman just gave Elijah Moore the bag? Yeah, and I, I don't know how you—I don't think we've ever talked about this to an Liam, but I have no problem with players getting paid. Neither do I. Make it, listen, you've got a finite career in this game, right? Some guys are going to go—Judah Mintz is going to go on to the NBA, make a ton of money playing professional basketball— Set up his family for the rest of his life, yada, 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 right? Elijah Moore is a 16, 17-year-old kid. I don't know how good he's going to be. Is he going to have a 15-year career in the NBA? I have no idea. I hope he does, but I don't know. So if you can make, you know, reports are upwards of a million dollars playing college basketball— Make your money, dude. That all the time. Make your money, dude. Set yourself up. This is America at the end of the day, right? It's all about, you know, using what you're good at to profit off it. That's literally the point of this country. And I don't understand the people who are, who say, you know, oh, it, it's not right that these guys are getting paid. What about the amateurism? There's never been amateurism in college sports since the 1950s, right? People have been getting paid behind the counter or under the counter, whatever the hell you want to say. But people have been getting paid the whole time. Now it's out in the open, and now peop- more people can benefit. I, r- I really don't see the downside of it besides the, the diehard fans of a particular program. And, you know, I'm reminded of over the summer when Nick Saban went on the air and called out Jimbo Fisher. Why? It's really been like these old-school traditionalists, for the lack of a better term, coaches that just don't want to see the game that they have been successful at change. And I don't know if that's a mark on the coaches or if it's a mark on the NCAA and its leadership. To be honest, it's probably a mark on both. But him going out and saying those things only diminishes his credibility. Well, and also, the NIL's not going anywhere. No. The, the Pandora's it's only going to grow. It's only going to grow. Pandora's box has been opened. You're not putting NIL back into it. It's especially with Charlie Moore stepping in for Mark Emmer. 
yeah, there you go. Should handle the situation far better than he did. Which, by the way, politicians is exactly is the last thing the NCAA needs. The politicians at, at the front of, but that's a, a, a discussion <laughs> for a completely different day. Um, it's not going anywhere. You have to adapt to the times. And listen, Adam Weitzman, I heard an interview he gave, and he was asked bluntly, "Can Syracuse compete at an ACC level at a national level without NIL?" You know what he said? No. He's right. Because Alabama, excuse me, Notre Dame, USC, name me a top school, Clemson in the ACC. They've got 20 Adam Whitesmans. Yeah, they've got 20 Adam Whitesmans, yep. right? So if you don't play the game, you're never going to win. Uh, don't play the game unless you – or play the game or you're going to get played. Exactly. That's, that's, that's a good way to put it. Now – Real quick, Liam, the, the other little piece of news that Bayheim made wasn't really news, even though some people thought it was, that he's probably coming back next year and that he kind of controls his own destiny yep. in terms of when he leaves. Sound, sounds about right. Did anybody think otherwise? If you did, I don't know. Have, uh, have you been Where living have you under been? a rock? Have Where you been living been? under a rock? I mean, everybody thought he would leave when Buddy and Jimmy left. Everybody thought he'd leave, you know, after the 2016 Final Four, go out, go out on top, right? You know, br- bring, um, bring Mike Hopkins in, let him take over the team, easy transition, yada, yada, yada. There's been so many of those points throughout the last, really, 10 years. If and he hasn't more. left yet. And he hasn't left yet, right? What does Jim Boeheim do when he's not coaching basketball? His kids are grown up. Yep. Does he sit, have— Sit around the house? He sits around the house watching golf, right? Yeah. What's he going to do? Why, why would he leave? He's still mentally sane. Right. He's not senile anyway. He's still, you know, he's very much there mentally. If you have a conversation with him, he'd see that. I, I don't get the people who, like, oh, he's definitely going to leave this year. Why? No, like, why do you think st- that? that? No, I don't get it. And and the whole, like, you know, he controls his own destiny. Of course he does. I mean, he, he's been he's here for 50 most, years. One of the most winningest coaches in college basketball history. Screw college basketball history. College like, sports history. You think John Wildhack's going to fire Jim Boeheim? Absolutely not. So, uh, uh, the people who were shocked, I don't get it. I don't no get do it. I. Well, all right. I think we've addressed that enough. All right. Because yeah. there's not really much to address. Jim Bayham's probably going to be here next year. And you know what? Would I be shocked if he's here the year after? No. no. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be. And by the way, he's got six freshmen who are finally starting to look like they're getting better. Yep. I don't know why he would leave for next year. Because uh, next year should be the fruits of the labor you put in this year. Assuming everyone stays. Assuming everybody comes back. Yes, that's true. Which is, I'm sure, a conversation that will be detailed at length. On Fizz 5 over the next couple of months. Oh, I'm sure. All right. That's going to bring us to topic number three. We go from the hardcore to the gridiron. Syracuse becoming a feeder program, not just for players, but for coaches as well. That's topic number three. Number three. Syracuse football is not, Liam, one of the premier programs in college football. I th- Fair I think, statement to make. I think that's an accurate statement. I think it's the understatement of the year. I don't know about that. It's an understatement. It's an understatement. I don't know about that. All right. This football offseason, how does it start? Tony White leaves for Nebraska. Ugh. Robert and I leaves for NC State. Ugh. Nick Monroe goes to Minnesota. Oh. That's, like, that's like Kevin Durant going to the Warriors. No, I know. I know. Now, Nick Monroe. No, we already talked about Nick Monroe. Chip West, the corners coach. Wake Forest. Goes to Wake Forest. Mike Schmidt, the offensive line coach. He leaves. What is going on, Liam? It's tough because it's, it's very tough because you don't know what exactly to pin it on, other than the fact that these programs that these assistant coaches are bouncing for 
Nebraska, yeah. Minnesota, mm. NC State, Wake Forest. Not Alabama and Georgia, not, but, but better programs than Syracuse. But they're still considered in an upper echelon yeah. as opposed to Syracuse. Now, Jason Beck, first-time offensive coordinator. Mm. Rocky Long, sure, he's the innovator of the 3-3-5 scheme Tony White ran. Doesn't have as much experience coaching at the Power 5 level. Mm. Hard to not be a little nervous. And Dino Babers, you know, did a great job last year. This may be his full-on make-it-or-break year because, A, you're bringing in new assistants, and, B, the ending of last season was just unacceptable. It was unacceptable. It's interesting to see the parallel between the players and the coaches because you have Deuce Chestnut going to LSU. You have Jihad Carter going to Ohio State. That, that shocked me. I think Jihad Carter is very good. I don't know if he's Ohio State good. I'd rather have Jihad Carter than Deuce Chestnut. As would honest. I. As would I. I was more surprised that Deuce actually got to a team like LSU. That's what surprised me more, honestly. But besides the point, you get these guys in as three- and four-star recruits. You know, good players. Other colleges wanted them, but they're not going to Georgia, right? right. They're not going to Alabama out right of high school. You develop them for a couple of years. They become really good players, have NFL futures, and then they jump ship and leave, right? Now the same thing's happening on the coaching staff. Tony White gets a chance to run his own defense under Dino Babers. Big Ten. Now he's in the Goes Big Ten. Goes to the Big Ten, right? And Nebraska, which has been bad for the better part of a decade, it's but, still histor- a Big Ten. but it's still a historic program, and yeah. it's still the Big Ten. Robert and I gets let go by Virginia. Dino picks him up. He's only let go because... Bronco Mendenhall got yeah. fired. Right. I, I thought he retired. I know, he got fired. No, Bronco, got, Bronco was let go. Um, picks him up. Has a good year running the offense. Makes Garrett Schrader into a competent quarterback. Not great, but competent. And then he leaves for NC State. Nick Monroe, who was nicknamed the Swag Daddy. Everybody on the defensive end loved him. An excellent recruiter as One well. One of the chief recruiters. Right? Connections all over the country. He becomes a name. And then he leaves from, from Minnesota. Again, it's not Georgia, but it's the Big Ten. Mike Schmidt leaves. Chip West leaves. All for bigger name programs in bigger-name conferences, which, let's not beat around the bush here, Liam, are probably paying them more anyway. Absolutely. Because, let's be honest, the premier program of the SU Athletics Department is men's basketball. Yeah. They most certainly are not playing like it, but they're not going to— some of these other programs like Wake Forest, Nebraska, NC State are going to divvy out more money for assistant coaches than Syracuse will, and that's just the truth of the matter. Credit to them for going to secure the bag, but at the same time— you can't not be concerned. And to me, in this new era of the transfer portal, Syracuse is doomed to be a a, minor, a AAA team, a G League team, whatever you want to call it. You get a great player, he's going to leave, right? If LaQuint Allen rushes for 1,500 yards next year, bye-bye. bye-bye. He's bye-bye. gone. Right? He's gone. Tucker didn't leave, yeah. but you know what? Sean Tucker was a different kind of guy. Yeah. Would LaQuint Allen leave? He might, right? Uh, Aronde Gadsden, uh, he has one more big year. If, he, yeah. if, if Gasson has another big year, he's gone. He's probably gone, right? And it's you're stuck in this in this cycle of you get the not top recruits. Worst recruiting class in the ACC this coming year. Right. But Syracuse does have history of developing three stars into really good players. Garrett Williams, right? Not a highly touted recruit. He's neither getting, was Tucker, I believe. Neither was he was a three star. They're both about to get drafted, right? Matthew Bergeron, his only power five offer, I think his only division one offer. Well, Syracuse definitely is only power five offer. He's about to be a second round pick, right? You develop these guys, but now you develop them. 
to get them for a year or two, right. and then they're gone. Right. So that that whole system of, okay, we're not going to get the best recruits, but we're going to turn them into NFL players. That's great, but before they go to the NFL, they're going to spend a year at Ohio State or LSU. Right. And to me, you're stuck in an endless cycle of being a AAA farm team almost. I mean, at this point, six and six slash seven and five feels like the ceiling. When, uh, when is Syracuse going to go nine and three again? Right. I mean. That, it's that, just that, so that, hard to picture. One, that's a once-in-a-blue-moon type season. Like, 2018, if the transfer portal was brought in in 2016 or 2017, 2018 might never happen. Yep. It's it's so difficult to, to think that you're almost stuck. I mean, we're it feels like we're entering an era where the pinstripe bowl is like the pinnacle of success. The pinstripe bowl may as well be the playoff now. Yeah. <laughs> and then it also happens with the coaching staff. Give Dino credit. He's the one who hired them all. Really talented coaches. Absolutely. But another team comes calling, lateral move, bigger name program, bigger name conference, probably more money. Yep. Not a whole lot Dino can do, right? He's got to yep. keep hiring good assistants, which, again, credit to him for doing just that. Tony White's going to be a head coach at, at the FBS level very soon. Yep. Very soon, right? So you can hire them. You can have them for a couple but of there's years. There's only so much you can do. But you're not going to keep them, so you got to hire them again. And you know what? You keep going through those cycles, eventually you're going to make mistakes, and then it just it just plummets one point. It's it's a terrible situation to be in. You can't help but shut. You can't help but shake your head and shrug. Yeah, it's it's Syracuse football is doomed to mediocrity. It's kind of all it is. I I don't think I could have put it any better, Francesco. Well, I do. You know, I'm a wordsmith, Liam. That's yeah. what they that's what they tell me. That is true. All right. You have a way with the words. That's yeah. That's what they tell me. All right. Let's go away from the depression that is the football team to something a little happier, right? It's February in the 315, which means one thing. It's lax season. It is lax season, baby. And that's topic number four. Number four. Oh, yeah. It is lax season. L-A-C-K-S. Lax. Lax. Season in Syracuse. We got the men's team already going. Women's team's getting going this weekend. Liam... Game number one for Gary Gate and company, and year number two under the greatest player of all time. It was an interesting start. They beat yeah. Vermont. They beat Vermont seven to five, uh, a lacrosse team for Syracuse that's really, really. I mean, young. I mean, they are babies. They're very young. They're. Uh, you think the basketball team's young, and then it is. This lacrosse team. I mean, you got Joey Spolita, the number one recruit in the country. People talk about him the best since Mikey Powell, generational type of recruit. He's nineteen years old. Finn Thompson, who is the number five recruit, number four attackman playing midfield, he looks like he's 15 years old. And he scored, he had three points against yeah. Vermont, I mean, the, lead, the leading scorer for Syracuse. The quote-unquote veteran of this team feels like Jackson Burtwistle, and he's a sophomore. It's Burtwistle, it's Hiltz, and but Hiltz, Hiltz missed, last, missed year. last year. He too. missed last year. Alex Simmons is a grad transfer, another attackman, but he's, he's, a, he's a grad, grad he's a transfer, transfer from, from Denver. So it's it's so interesting that... There's not a lot of returning talent from last year's team. Exactly. But to me, that's a good thing because they stunk last year. They were four and ten. <laughs> yeah. So the fact that they have this new fresh of pl- this new fresh crop of players is good, right? It means that you know there's something to dream on for Syracuse lacrosse fans. Right. But at the same time, you got to be very patient. Couldn't have said it any better myself, Francesco. And I think that's what the opening game kind of served as, yeah. like an opportunity for the young guns to gel together. 
The defense was fantastic. That was great. Will Mark had one of the best performances Will I've Mark's ever seen. Will Mark's a stud, man. He's a stud. He's also a really good dude, too. Really nice dude. Really? really nice dude. Yeah, yeah. That's one thing. <laughs> I uh, I talked about this with a colleague the other day. You have you Albany and Holy Cross coming up. Yeah. I'm fully aware of the Great Danes bested the Orange last year. In but a monsoon. In a, I was at that game. I know. Well, tell me about that experience. Oh, I, uh, it's hard to put into words. You were outside, weren't you? I was outside, too, yeah. yes. With fireworks going off Fireworks you. were also going. <laughs> fireworks went off at halftime in pouring rain. Didn't, was, they have, didn't they have a band there, too? They did have a band That's there. That's wild. Because they marketed the heck out of the game. Because yeah. it was the, yeah. one of the biggest home games in program history. Yeah. But I was under, like, a little roof area, mm. fortunately, because I was at the tippy top of the stands. Yeah. But, but, like, every time I had to step outside, like, I just got drenched. It yeah. Was, it was awful. I mean, fun game, fun game, fun atmosphere, awful weather. Yeah, so so they lose that game in a monsoon to you, Albany. But to, I think the point you're trying to get at is you play the Danes, and then you play Holy Cross. Who, by to, the way, SU beat 28-5 to last year. Yeah, that's right. They did do if, that. If uh, Holy Cross scored two less goals, it would have been the magic number. 28-3. Okay. All right, Boston boy. All right. But you play these two teams the, the second and third rounds of the mid-major trio right. at the beginning of the season. You got to beat that, right? Oh, yeah. You're 3-0, and and then you're going to Maryland. Number one number, team in the country, yep. defending national champs. Are you going to win that game? Probably not, right? Yeah. But... You can test yourself against a really, really good team. Do you keep it close against the Terrapins? You have to be satisfied. Right. And then, not only that, you win those first three games. Because you got you got to go over 500 to be tournament eligible. Yep. So you get those first three wins under your belt. Then you kind of face a little there bit of a bust. There are 15 games in the season. 15 games in the season. You got to win eight of them. At minimum. You got to win eight at minimum. You beat these first three teams. You've already got one under your belt with Vermont. You beat Albany. You beat Holy Cross. You go play Maryland, then you got UNC, Duke, and Hopkins all at home. You then win two out of those three games. You're five and two. <laughs> now you're feeling it. Then, then you have Hofstra on the road. Mm-hmm. That's a game you should win. Yeah. Then Saint Bonaventure. Bo- you that, win a that young game. program. Yeah. That's another game you should win yeah. in a perfect world. And then, and then you have Hobart, <laughs> the Cross Simmons Trophy. The Statesmen right. don't scare anyone. No. Ideally, you could have eight wins by. The mid to late part of March. And then the end of the season is where it becomes a gauntlet. gauntlet. You got to go at Princeton. You play North Carolina at a high school in Maryland. You go to Clockner Stadium to play Virginia, and then you go to Duke. Virginia, the number one, the number Number two two team in the country, number one in the the media poll, number two in the coaches' poll. Duke, top 10. UNC, top 20. Bit of a rebuilding year for UNC. Syracuse and Carolina, kind of in the same boat, a rebuilding type year. And then you've got Princeton, who's a top 10 team as well. Made the Final Four last year. Made the Final Four last year after not playing the year before and the year before that. Yep. That's how good of a program the Tigers have. So you got to clean up early. And what you want to see, Liam, and I'm glad they, they made the schedule this way, and Gary Gates talked about it, scheduling it the way he did to get his young players ready. You've got three mid-majors to get the Spelinas, the Thompsons, the Michael Leos, the Luke Roas, you know, the Billy Dwans of the world. Up to speed of the college game before you take on Maryland, UNC, guns. Duke Hopkins, right? So you get that under your belt. Then once you get to Princeton at Carolina in Maryland, at Virginia, at Duke, you've got 11 games there under you your belt. And then fr- <coughs> freshmen are freshmen, but not as much, right? right. <laughs> well, my <coughs> final thought is, first of all, are you okay? No. 
<laughs> There's nothing lax about lax. And when you have a young team like this, you can't help but be excited about the future. Yes, there are going to be growing pains, but at the same time, you can't not be excited. And that's why you have UAlbany and Holy Cross down the stretch or in the coming week. Two should be easy wins. I'm hocking up a lung out here, Liam. Thanks for saving me. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, let's move on to topic number five. Number five. All right. As my fit with a cough continues as it has over the last week, unfortunately. Hopefully it stops for the next, like, five, ten minutes. That'd be nice. That would be nice. Topic number five, Liam. Judah Mitz. He's been coming up on NBA mock drafts really since November, since the season began. My question to you is... This time next year, 12 months from now, is Judah Mintz playing in the NBA, yes or no? Well, you first have to take into consideration that Judah Mintz will be in the NBA. Let's get that out of the way right Eventually, now. Eventually, yeah. Regardless of whether or not it's after this season, next season, or two seasons from now. the que- I personally do not think you should, and you can catch my full breakdown of it on theorangefizz.com because can't shoot the three ball, and today's NBA is predicated on <laughs> shooting the three-point shot. Just ask Wardell Stephen Curry and... Ben Simmons about that for both the good and bad sides of it. You had to bring up Ben Simmons. I did. He also gets way too out of control down the stretch, and NBA scouts are going to hate that. You look to Miami, UNC, Pitt, (laughs) three games SU, you can make a case, should have won, but didn't in some semblance of what part, thanks to Judah Mintz getting out of control down the stretch, which can't happen. Yeah, you're. Right. That's an interesting point, Liam. Especially the, the the three point shot, which is the one part of Judah's game that he doesn't really have. Right. Um, he can get to the basket. Good free throw shooter. Good mid range shooter. Good in the zone too. Good in which the zone. Which is not something you see out of a lot of freshmen. He can pass. Sometimes he doesn't, but he can. So he's got all those traits. And you're right about you know the the out of control stuff, but I think that's more of just being a freshman. That'll get you know, he'll get that out of his system eventually. Should. And will, though, are two different things. Should he go to the NBA? I probably agree with you. He would benefit from another year of college. But he will declare. Absolutely. He'll get his draft grade. Then he'll decide. If he he gets a grade in the 20s, I think he's gone. What do you think? I don't really know how draft combine grades work, to be perfectly honest with you. But (laughs) if he grades well at the combine then there's no reason for him to stick around for another year, right? If scouts think that highly of you, then why, then why are you wasting your time? You know, Judah Mintz, if NBA scouts think he's ready, he's gone. I personally don't think he's ready, but say he wows the judges at the combine, it's a different story. Well, because he's also, his athleticism you can dream on. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, if, is an NBA team going to use a first-round pick on him? I think somebody would. Really? I think so. I mean, like lottery pick, no. Believe you have the 25th pick? I sure. I think Judah Mintz would look great in a Boston Celtics uniform. I think he'd look great in a Knicks jersey myself. Well, the Knicks wouldn't be picking in the 20s, remember. We could trade down. We could make the playoffs the Knicks will. They'll make the playoffs, but they'll lose in the first round. Says who? Says me. You're probably not wrong, all right? <laughs> um, but if if you're a team in the tw- again, I, I'd use the, tw- the 24th, 25th pick on Judah Mintz. I mean, he's a good player, man. And he's only going to get better as a thing, too. So... Do I think he's here next year? I'm going to be honest, I don't. I think he's going to go to the NBA. Now, do I agree with you that he probably should stay one more year in college, become a better three-point shooter, become more of an actual point guard? Gain that clutch gene, too. Sure. 
and then maybe become a borderline lottery pick. Is that possible? Yeah. Yeah. I think it is possible. But at the same time, and then it also comes down to, you know, his family economic situation. I don't know what it is, right? So mm-hmm. you need the money. I don't know, right? I, I, I right. don't have that information. Right. So None of our business. None of our business either. You're 100% right. That's just a decision between him and his family. It's, it's so hard to predict because there's a million different factors. Right. So I need, I need this out of you. I said I think he's going to be in the NBA in 12 months. Do you think he will be? Not should, will. Yes. <laughs> Whether Even if, it, if it's for a G League team or an actual team, I think he will be employed by an NBA organization. See, because and you mentioned the G League. If he's the 25th pick, he's going to have a two-way contract. Yeah. He's going to be up and down. So the odds of him, you know, playing in the NBA a full 82-game schedule next year, I think, are very, I think are very low, right? Hope, for his sake, I hope he is, right? Yeah. But I, I'd be surprised. At, it's so tough because, like, selfishly, you want him to come back. Right. Right? But at the same time, his long-term future is way more important. That's true. So whatever he decides to do, I think Syracuse fans will respect it. <clears throat> exactly. But at the same time, you look at it from a team standpoint. You got all these kids together. Another year of Judah with a sophomore Bell, a sophomore Taylor, a sophomore Brown. Brown. Jesse might come back. Joe might come back. You forgot Quadir Copeland. I forgot Quadir Copeland. You're, that's you. your guy. They're going to hit the transfer portal hard one would imagine. I would just- and do you think Benny's gone? I'd be shocked if he comes back. So would I. So say you got that nucleus of players with some grad transfers coming in. Having Judah be the best player on that team, be the point guard on that team, that would be fun to watch. It man. would be. Like, so selfishly, you want him back. Absolutely. If Judah comes back, the, the expectation should be the NCAA tournament. Oh, I agree. What Jim Beheim says. Oh, I, I 100%. Because like, look at this group of players right now. They are. I know the wins and losses haven't quite shown it yet, but they are getting better. Yes, yes, they are. The fact that they listen, and I know you don't get participation trophies at this level. I get all that, right? But you do have to look at it objectively. These are a bunch of babies who took the number six team in the country to the wire. Yep. Who took North Carolina to the wire is going to go to the tournament. Miami too. Miami to the wire on the road. Miami's a second weekend team. Yeah, too. I agree. You go to Virginia and you don't get blown out, right? <laughs> The fact that you did all that is a positive. Right. Now, next year, if you're still losing those games, then we can have that. Then we're having a different discussion. Yes. Right? But for now, with the, with what this team is right now, it's promising. And if you bring Judah back at the point of that, that's fun. Oh yeah. That's when Syracuse fans can dream on something more than, you know, let's hope to God we're in the next four out. Right? Right. So I think he's going to the NBA. You think he's probably going to the NBA, too, yeah. although we both think you probably he benefit from another year of college. Exactly. And Syracuse fans are definitely thinking, eh, why don't you come back? Yeah. Um, so certainly interesting to see a topic to keep an eye on and a topic that will have a lot to do with how good this 2023-24 Syracuse team is. Without question. Liam, any final thoughts from you? Get well soon, man. Thank you. I Listen, I, I've been dealing with this for a week. I apologize to our wonderful listeners who had to hear me hack up a lung over the last, I don't know, 15 minutes. Um, I'll get better. I promise I'll get better. All right. My immune system will improve and we'll move on from this, all right? All right. Sounds good to me.
He's Liam Griffin. I'm Francesco Simone. Thank you so much for tuning into this round of Fizz 5. And as always, go orange. And that's your Fizz 5. Listen next week. Subscribe, rate, and review. This has been an Orange Fizz production.